0: Good morning. morning. The reading for this morning is from Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full in accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit This is the word of the Lord.
1: Praise be to God. Thank you, Nana. A familiar passage, one that has been a great encouragement throughout the life of the church for centuries on end. And there are some things definitely that I heard that I remember from this passage as well. Uh, As we continue to dive into it, uh, let's pray first and ask God for his help. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for opening the bread of life to us today. We ask that you lead us, that uh, have faith and spiritual ears to hear what you have to say uh, to your people today, oh God. Thank you for, for the privilege. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I certainly hope you had a Merry Christmas. We know that's not the case for some people. Some people were stuck in different places, like maybe on the road or in the airport. Uh, uh, Really disappointed uh, during this time. Other people had a chance to gather and to uh, receive gifts from one another uh, yesterday and maybe the day before. Uh, God has something for everyone. And I definitely remember a time when I was a little boy, I must have been around 10 or 11. uh, I was fascinated with getting the stereo, uh, one with big speakers that I, I could listen to in my room as I Played my cassette tapes. Uh, I was really interested in in music during that time and thought, I need the biggest radio that my mom can buy. And I saw, and it's like every time we went to the store, I went to one section where the radios were. You know, the stereos. Like, I want this one. Uh, You know, I didn't want to go too big, but I, I had one that was just right that I was looking at. And I begged her and begged her, get this one, get this one. And I know the challenge was the cost of it you know being a single parent mom and and uh trying to make ends meet i knew that the cost was the challenge to her but i was hoping she would just squeeze it in for me and so christmas morning came and you know, I saw some gifts on the tree, and, and I thought, could, could one of those be the cereal? And it uh, doesn't look like it, because those packages are quite small. And so the next morning, I got up, got up really happy, ran over to the tree, and thought, wait a minute, she didn't put the gift under here. Santa failed me. Uh, and so I began to open my gifts, and there, there it was. A small, long uh, two cassette player radio, you know, I had a love for music, had an interest in music, but i didn 't think this radio was going to do it. I was kind of disappointed in my heart, disinterested in this gift. but the more that I engaged in this gift, the more I grew in my appreciation of it, because it what it was the only radio I had, <laughs> and so my mom came through for me. In terms of what I wanted what I desired but she also came through for our family and getting something uh, that she had only a few means to get because she was meeting needs in other places. As we come to our passage today in, in Philippians the saints in Philippi had many needs and Paul says in the letter that God will meet their needs. Uh, they had needs for God to protect them. There are some people who are coming up against them in their faith and telling them they needed to believe in Jesus plus the traditions of their fathers. And so they needed the Lord to come in and, and, to, and to give them a, a fresh word, an eye-opening word. So that they would know, as it says in Philippians 1.6, the good work that God began in them, that he is going to uh, take it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. They also needed someone to come and and mediate. Yeah, mediate or maybe referee their fights. They had dissensions among one another. And it was killing their unity. And that's why Paul writes to them in this letter uh, to encourage them. Uh, not to give up on uh, being joyful to, with one another. Not, not to give, give up on doing good to one another. Because the, the seeds that were sown, they would begin to sprout and to, and to grow. The gospel seeds that, that is. But also the seeds of disunity and dissension began to sprout and they began to grow. And so it's like Paul wrote them at just the right time. To come in and interject because the thing that was what the biggest challenge was the opportunity or the, or or, 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 the, uh, or the possibility of losing their joy in God. He tells them later in the letter in uh, Philippians chapter 4 to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord for he is near. And Paul encourages them to pray, not being anxious about their needs, not being anxious in their prideful heart, in their self-centeredness, but to pray to God that God would transcend their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. So there they were facing the seeds of discord and disunity among them that were being sown among them. Uh, The core issue really was their self-centeredness. The self-centeredness of pride. When Christ-centeredness replaces self-centeredness, there's joy in our unity through him. And this is what Paul encourages them in. And we see this unity that he is encouraging through verse 2 here. Complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in, in full of cord and of one mind. He's calling them to be, be mindful of their thoughts towards one another, that their thinking towards one another may be unified, that this thinking may be along the lines of that love that pours forth from the gospel, that this thinking may be along the lines of the, uni, the, the, uh, the unity of their love and the demonstration of Christ's love. There's a fullness that comes with this love that helps us to be unified one to another. But unity is disrupted by this self-centeredness, by this selfishness. And he tells them plainly, hey, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Put down the weapons of your selfish ambition of using people. Your conceit of trying to uh, get by on others and have what you want. Paul is encouraging them, hey, this does not bring about the unity of God. But what does on the road to joy brings about the unity of God is this humility of looking at the other person and counting them as more significant than yourself. This is quite hard to do because, as broken people, we get a little confused between our self confidence and our self centeredness. It's good to have self confidence, right? Self esteem, believing you could do something, but it's where the foundation lies, right? If it's all upon me and what I want and, and what I can do, that self centeredness will be fueled by pride. But if I have a self-confidence, believing that this is something that God has called me to, that he wants me to do, then I can have confidence that I can love my neighbor as myself. And Paul reiterates it. Look, each of you, not only to his own interests or her own interests, but also to the interests of others. This will bring about the unity of God. And he begins to, the grounds of of these uh, uh, commands if you will, is his appeal to their hearts. He gives this impassionate plea here in verse one for unity of heart. And he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, have you been encouraged in Christ, church at Philippi? Have you seen God work in ways that only God can work in your life? Has your heart been comforted by the love of God? Have you received the joy of Christ? Has there been any comfort, any ease of heart that God has brought even in the midst of your trials and your challenges? Has there been any participation in the Spirit? Has the Spirit been speaking to your heart the Word of God, the truth of God, and to the place where you know it's only the Spirit speaking? Is there any affection and sympathy for one another? Have you enjoyed those things, church at Philippi, saints at Philippi? If you've enjoyed these things, if these things have been part of your heart then you can be unified with one another because these very things are the very things that Christ gives to those that he loves he will not stop short of encouraging bringing his comfort and encouraging in the spirit and bringing his affection and sympathy to our hearts One scholar, after reviewing this, put it this way, said the impact of these words should make it clear that Paul's exhortation to unity arose out of very real and particular shortcomings in the community. These Christians, no doubt, constitute a healthy church, but the seeds of dissension had been sown, and they were not to be allowed to sprout lest Paul's work among them should prove to have been in vain. And so since they have enjoyed the things of God, the Spirit of God, now it's time to live in that way. Not giving in to the dissension of the heart. Not giving in to the jaw killer of self-centeredness, but moving forward with Christ-centeredness because it is the one that we are looking at who's called Jesus, who did nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. It was Jesus in humility that counted others more significant than himself, even though he was the king of kings and the Lord of Lord. It was Jesus who looked not only to his own interest, but he looked to the interests of others. And that's what Jesus teaches us in his life. Christ-centeredness replaces self-centeredness. When this happens, there's joy in our unity through the incarnate Son. There's joy in our unity through the humble servant. There's joy in our unity through the exalted Savior. Let's look at these three things from this great hymn, this Christ hymn, in verses five through 11. The incarnate Son whom we have been celebrating through advent whom we are waiting for expecting to come at any time now this incarnate son that came he had a mind a mind of emptying himself verse 5 he have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus this is our minds as believers who, though he was in the form of God, fully God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The incarnate son recognized that he was in the form of God. This is the one who existed in all eternity with the Father, with the Spirit. He was in the form of God. This is the nature of God. This is one of Christ's natures. He is fully God. But having this type of mind of humility, he did not count equality with God something to be held on to. This is not an emptying of his divinity, as some would say. This is not Christ just uh, just saying that, you know, I'm just going to give up my divinity so that I uh, can become man. It's like, no, he's fully God, but Christ decided to hold back his power as God to show us a different way as the incarnate son. It's like when I play with my children, even though I have the strength to crush them, in order to play with them, I hold back my power as dad. (laughs) So Paul is encouraging us to think in these ways. The incarnate son he's also the humble servant Christ denied all heavenly acting power when he was on earth notice he denied all heavenly acting power when he was on earth verse 7 he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man he emptied that's what it means to empty himself he took the form of a servant, one who would come and care for the needs of people, one who would become a human being like one of us. So we see his two natures here, fully God and yet fully man. And as fully God and fully man, that was a denial of his heavenly acting power, and that's also, that was also a denial of all earthly acting power. When Christ was on earth, he was tempted by the evil one who wanted him to take up arms, to use his powers in a special way as God, to use his powers in a special way as man. But Christ did not do that. He listened to the one that sent him. He was yielded to his heavenly father. He listened to his voice and walked to the tune of his beat. Verse 8, and being, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This type of humility to some may feel like weakness, especially us in the world, to give up our power, our acting power, and not move against someone when they come up against us. This doesn't mean we can't defend ourselves, which may happen automatically if someone will come up against you and, and, uh, and attempt to harm you. But see, this is a type of power that says, I'm gonna take the low road. I will humble myself and not seek out vengeance towards others. I will humble myself and love others even though they don't deserve it. I will humble myself and show grace and mercy I will humble myself and join the family Christmas dinner, even though I do not want to be there, and I feel like an outcast. Some people feel like they don't belong in their family. And even though they had a chance to be with them, just yesterday and the day before, they chose not to, because they felt as if they didn't belong. Maybe it was because of something hurtful said in the past. They felt like they didn't belong. Maybe because they had expectations of themselves to live in a certain way and to achieve a certain thing at a certain age. Maybe they felt that they just didn't measure up, just to be with their family. But you see, the humble servant shows us that as we're in the family of God, we have opportunity to belong to one another. Not opportunity to lord it over each other, uh, not opportunity to seek control, not opportunity to seek selfish ambition, but the opportunity for humility and service towards one another. And sometimes that hurts. It really does hurt when we begin to lay down our acting power, the things that we know we could do For the sake of love, loving one another. Couples have seen this in their marriage. Forsaking certain things that they've wanted for a long time for others. Parents see this with children. Like I said, my mom saw it. Forsaking her comforts for my good. Getting up early, staying up late for the sake of serving your children, doing good towards them. This is in the vein of the humble servant called Christ. This is what we're called to do as well. This type of denial of self, Christ says, taking up our cross, if you will, and living unto him and following him into the world as being those who are obedient it to the word of God and the voice of God those who are attached to the Father in a way that we wanna please him and please him alone. So Christ is the incarnate son coming to the world, not as God, but as lowly man. He's a humble servant, the one who emptied himself, becoming a human like us. Didn't have to, he chose to, out of love. And this is our exalted savior, he didn't exalt himself, but he was exalted by his heavenly father. Verse 9, therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. What's the reason for this? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and honor the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does this mean? God did some acting here. God is all Jesus, God granted him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, our savior, the one that ransomed us from our sins. This is that name, Jesus. God exalted him for this particular purpose so that he would experience the glory that he had before he came into the world with his father. And even more so, because now there are people, you and me and others, that are bowing the knee to Jesus. We're not saying Caesar is Lord, but we're saying Jesus is Lord, He is Savior. He's the only savior. He's the only one that can keep us. He's the only one that can refine us. He is the one that will be tender towards us when other people will not. He's the one that listens to us when we're on our sick bed and not feeling good. He hears our groans and pains. This Jesus is the one that we proclaim with all of our being, living for him, as living sacrifices this is the one that we bow to readily and sometimes it's hard to bow to Jesus to pray to him to say how much we need of him it's hard to confess to Jesus our needs because part of us if we are like children we want to prove our worth but Jesus said no all you have to do bow to knee come before me And this is the one that we give our confession to, saying that he is the Christ. We believe this, watching world, and we want you to believe this too. And this is all to the glory of the Father, who crushed his own son on our behalf, who has given him on our behalf, that we may walk in the world with strength and dignity, humility and love. What does this mean? One scholar puts it this way, summarizes it this way, God in the incarnation bestowed upon the one who is on an equality with him in the earthly name, which has come to be in fact the highest of names. Why? Because service and self-giving are themselves the highest of divine attributes. Because of the incarnation, the human name, Jesus, is acclaimed as the highest name. And the man, Jesus, thus comes to be acclaimed as Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This name, Jesus, the one who is selfless, teaches us how to be self-giving like him. This is how we have our names as children of God. Self-giving, laying it down for the sake of Jesus, living unto him to gather our strength when we are tired, being yielded to him even when we don't want to, we come again and again practicing humility and yieldingness to Jesus we come to him, and in him, we are incarnate sons and daughters. And in Jesus, we are the humble servants that God has called to serve others. And in Jesus, we are exalted in him at his right hand forevermore. Jesus has full authority, full power to end all things. But he knows there are some that haven't yet believed. They're those that the father is bringing into his family. So that at the return of Jesus, we may be amazed with the family of believers, of God's redeeming work, that God is turning hearts to him, that he's saving to the uttermost, to the ends of the earth. That God is on the move even in the darkest of times. Even in a year like we had. Even in the midst of churches, church doors closing. Even in the midst of pastors walking away from the call because of the stress and the pain that they have to face in the fold. God is able to keep us, as it says in Philippians, to the end. God is able to bring glory to himself through little old you and me. You do not deserve it and we learn this through 2nd Corinthians 8 9 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich we have everything that we need and more in Jesus when times become dark it appears that we are lacking And lacking deeply. But that is not the truth. God is able to grieve with us. And sit with us. And lead us through those dark times. But when he brings us to the mountaintop experience. We see that there are pleasures at his right hand forevermore. That we have more in him. That he is able to protect us. And keep us. And bring no harm upon us. And if it does come upon us, he is with us through it because God intends to make great on his promise that he's going to see us through the end, that none would be snatched out of his hand. So as Christ put his interest of others first and willing to give up some of the privilege and the status that was his in God so we are to walk in the same footsteps as him, as we follow him to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. There is much that we have been given. There's much that we can give. And so we thank you for the privilege of being able to serve others in this way, to give out of hearts that have been given much to forgive out of hearts that have been forgiven and to stand with a savior who is not far off but near to the brokenhearted and tender and kind so God as we continue to go throughout this day Lord we are praying for those that are not with us. We're praying for those that are sick. We're praying for those, Father, who cannot see the light of day. Lord, we know that you are with the broken heart. And so we ask Jesus, visit visit upon hearts that may be doubting today that they may be turned to you and see that you are delighting in them. We pray this in your name. Amen.